Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you guys for joining me here at Gospel Saving Church in McKinney, Texas. And thank you guys for coming, ladies and gentlemen, I should say, coming from all over the world on SoundCloud. God bless you. Uh, thank you for joining us today at Gospel Saving Church. Um, brand new Sunday, beautiful day, the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Amen. The day that the Lord has made. We're thankful to God that he's given us another beautiful day and that we're, I'm able to teach his word and we're able to sit and learn from his word and, and see what God would have for us today. So I want to start off with a word of prayer. If you guys want to join me in a quick word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless our service and help me to teach and help all of us to listen and understand and comprehend and do what God is telling us to do today. So Lord, we just thank you, Lord God. And I do pray just right off the bat, Lord, I just just thank you and praise you, Lord. We're supposed to come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. Oh, Lord, I do enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise, Lord God. And I thank you for this beautiful new day, Lord. And I thank you for all the different things that we each have to be thankful for. Uh, Lord, to, to list them off would, would just be take too long now. But thank you for all the things that I am thankful for. We were talking about it during communion today, Lord, or before communion. Or... So, Lord, I just uh, want to thank you for letting us live another day, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, Lord. And I, I just want to uh, ask and pray, Lord God, today that we would not just be hearers of your word today, but Lord, doers, myself included. Lord, as I was setting up the sermon, I, I found myself just uh, having even a tough time doing what I was going to teach this week. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us all to do the things that we're going to talk about today and not just hear them. Lord, uh, we just thank you and Praise you, Lord, and ask that you help us, Lord. Help us, help us, help us, Lord. We're helpless without you, Lord. And unless you help us do the things for you, Lord, we're, we're helpless and we can't really do them. So, Lord, I just thank you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus, my, Jesus Christ's mighty name, Lord. Amen. So anyway, if you guys want to open your Bibles up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 1 through 4 today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 again. Uh, I'll get to those and read those after my thoughts from last week's message. You must hold fast. So last week, Paul commanded Timothy slash us that all Christians, really, because the Bible's written to everybody, should hold fast, right? That was the title of the sermon. You must hold fast. He commanded Timothy, us, all Christians, to hold fast to loving and following and having faith in Christ and God. And we know that the Bible says that we need to continue in these things until we're raptured or until we die in order to go to heaven so that we don't go to hell. Because if we ever stop having faith or we ever stop loving Jesus Christ or ever stop desiring him in our lives, then you know, then we know we're not going to want to be with him. So why would God want to let anybody to heaven that doesn't really love him, right? And Paul gave us last week examples of those that didn't hold fast to the faith in Jesus Christ and, and forsook Paul and they went the way of destruction again. Remember, Onesiphorus and his household, they needed mercy on that day or the day of judgment. And so I also told you about the false and wicked belief uh, of today that is called once saved, always saved, no matter how you live. Hey, I'm good till I go. I prayed a prayer. I've done this. I've done that. I'm, I'm saved. I'm, I'm whatever. I'm going to be in heaven. And now I can go out and live any way I want. And they think it's okay to, you know, do all that stuff. And they're still saved. And yet the scripture, as we looked at last week and one this week, it, it, that's tells us that that's not true. That we can't just be saved or get saved or become born again and then just go out and live a sinful, willful life and whatever we're going to do. Right? 
So in this overview, I'm feeling like God wants me to share with you something very important this week. And just, just, you know, not not too long, but, you know, there is one thing that I I see in our world today. And and people think that God plays games, you know. Um, God wants me to share this fact with you that if you are saved, if you are born again, that he's not into playing games. He's not a a great big, uh, you know, big fat doll that you can push over. And, oh, it'll just, you know, be okay with whatever I'm going to do. You know, if we think that we can come to Christ and get saved and become born again and have the guarantee of heaven, right, and then go out and live a faithless life, no faith in Christ, no faith in God, full of willful sin, you know, something I, I can I can live however I want, and God, you know, God's just a loving God. He's just going to forgive me. And the Bible says, that we're sadly mistaken. God and the, and the Bible and Christ all say that once somebody comes to Christ and becomes born again, that they must totally trust in and obey Jesus Christ and follow his teachings and endure to the end of our lives in doing so, or else he will not accept us when we get to him and we see him face to face. He'll say, he, he won't say, well done, good and faithful servant. He'll be, he'll say, be gone from me. So, we can't do these things and still be right with God. We're, we're mistaken. Okay, You may be saying, but Pastor Ed, God is all love. He's gentle. He's soft-hearted and kind. He'd never turn me away for any reason once he saves me. But this is false. And a lot of people have this big misconception of God. Many think of the Holy Creator. Father God is only being all love, soft-hearted, forgiving, kind, and such. Uh, But those are not his only attributes. If you'll just read over the entire Bible cover to cover and not just pick out certain sections, I call it cherry-picking, to get your entire picture of God, you'll see, yes, God is all love. He is very soft-hearted. He is forgiving and he's kind. But he also, the Bible says, should be feared and revered, and, and, and in a holy, knee-shaking way, because guess what? He's also a mighty judge. He's also a God full of wrath to those, he says, that reject his Christ, practice sinful ways, and don't do his will. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21-23. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. So what happens when you don't? Do the will of your Father in heaven. Well, Jesus said only those that do the will of the Father are going to heaven. So that means if you don't do the will of the Father, he's not going to let you in. He goes on to say, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Hey, Lord, I've done lots of good things for you. Lord, I've, I've done all these good works and I've done all this, you know, da, 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 and I've went to church every single week and three times a week and I, I, you can add all kinds of things in there. I, Lord, I did all those kind of good works for you. But then he says, I will uh, declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness and lawlessness is sin. God is not a pushover. We cannot practice sin. We cannot live in willful sin, willfulness of serving ourselves, and then still think we're just going to be okay with God and he's just going to forgive me every time I continue to practice such and such a sin and then he's just going to be okay. So Christians out there that are listening to this message or anybody, please listen to me. 
God is all love, but he's also all just and holy and should be feared, worshipped, and served. His word calls for it. So if you have come to Christ for salvation, you should be living a life like Paul says here in Hebrews 6, 1. He says, therefore, leaving the decision, excuse me, therefore, leaving the decision of the elementary principles of Christ or the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on toward perfection. See, Paul wouldn't have wrote that if, oh, it doesn't matter how I live. Oh, it doesn't matter what kind of sin I live in. I'm, we're supposed to live on toward perfection not laying again look at this the foundation of look at what he says the foundation is repentance from dead works which would be sinfulness from from evil doings that we i lived in a lot of evil before i knew christ he says we're supposed to be living in repentance from dead works not living in those evil things but living in christ likeness living in godliness doing the things of god and he goes on to say and faith toward God. Repentance is a turning away. Hey, I need Christ in my life. I don't need all that sin in my life. So that's the way that God and the Bible and Paul even says that we're supposed to be living. So so I beg of you, Philippians 2.12, Paul says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Work out your own faith. I can't work out your faith or salvation for you. Only you can do that, ladies and gentlemen. Only you Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And again, Paul, Ephesians 4, 1. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And don't think, please, that God plays games. Or he's some kind of pushover, right? And then after you're saved and born again, he'll just forgive you of all whatever unholy and sinful ways you want to live and practice willfully. Because he won't. The Bible says it clearly. All who practice sinfulness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. So anyway, be careful and know that God needs to be served and he's holy and he wants to be revered and he wants to be worshipped and loved. And when you love somebody, you don't do the things that they hate. All right, anyway, praise God. Let's switch gears and move on to our new sermon for today. Our new sermon title, Where's Your Focus? 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Where's your focus? Let me read it. Paul says to us today, to Timothy and to us, he says, You therefore, my son, speaking to Timothy, who was his beloved son in the faith, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, again, must endure hardship as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, there's just so much to say here. I initially was going to do verses 1 to like 13, I believe. That would have been the one little section that I had initially marked off for. But there's just so much to say here. And God showed me the real focus of this message of really um, what's your focus here. So 
Last week, and I hate to be redundant here, but last week in the overview of this week, I talked to you about how Paul gave these commands to Timothy, right? Hold fast to Jesus Christ by your faith, in your faith, living a life toward, of love towards God. And, you know, the Bible saying we must endure in this type of lifestyle, right, in order to be saved and go to heaven. And, and remember that Paul gave those examples of uh, those three guys in Onesiphorus and his household as some of those who had forsaken him and in need of mercy again, and they were headed for destruction again, right? So not meaning to be redundant, but did you see what Paul said here in verse 1? Because what he does in verse 1 is he goes down the same path of thought that he was on from his last section, and he gives Timothy some more advice on helping him not fall away from the faith So let me show you. Look at verse 1, just that first few words in verse 1 again. He says, you therefore, my son. What is he saying here? Well, you see, the last examples that we had were about the forsakers. Onesiphorus and his household, and and, uh, uh, I hate to say his name wrong again, but Pergolus and Hermogenes. I think I'm saying his name wrong according to the original language, but you get the picture. There was these three guys in one guy's household that had forsaken Paul, forsaken Jesus Christ, and in need of mercy again in that day. So since that was his last little blip there, and that's what he was talking about, and he ends with that, he goes on here to say, you therefore, Timothy. Well, therefore means, the definition of therefore means because of that. Okay? So what he's just said there. Paul says here in our news section, Hey, Timothy, because we have these guys and this guy's household that have made a terrible decision to forsake me and head for hell again, uh, don't be like them. You, therefore, my son. So because of these guys, here's what I want you to do. Because we have, in light of those guys, what what have I taught them on, I think it was a week or two ago, the Bible was written for what? Our instruction that we may learn from the people's mistakes that are in the Bible, those that made mistakes, and learn not to do those things, right? You, therefore, hey, don't be like those guys, but look at this. Read the rest of verse 1. Be strong. What is that? That's another command. Be strong in what? In the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Well, what is grace? Grace is the free and undeserved gift of salvation. So he said, you, therefore, Timothy, be strong, another command, in your gift of salvation that God gave you. Set your mind strong, Timothy, on the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. This is what he just told him. Hey, don't be like those guys who forsook me and Christ. You be strong, knowing you're saved in the salvation of Jesus Christ and focus your mind on this. Why did Paul tell Timothy to do this? Because practicing this spiritual discipline is another way to help him not fall away from the faith in Christ like all those Christians had done to Paul in Asia. Christians... Here's the focus that we need to have this week. Focus, is you're going to hear that word a lot today. Your focus, keeping your minds fixed and focused on God's thoughts is um, or on godly thoughts is a must in the great spiritual battle that we're in. If you are, if you are a Christian, you see, Satan's trying to take you down. Okay? 
If you love God and if you live for God, Satan's trying to get you to turn away from God and he's trying to get you to turn back to your old path. Look at what Jesus and Peter tell us about Satan. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? He's talking about Satan. So think of it. Satan's coming to you, to the world, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his focus. That's his goal. To kill, steal, and destroy your faith, send people to hell, steal your joy, you name it. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Peter tells us the same thing that Jesus did, but he also tells us how to battle him. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. He tells us right away how to battle him. He says, be sober and be vigilant. What is he talking about? Sober is sober-minded. Hey, don't, don't let your mind trail off into nothingness. Be sober. Always be alert. And then vigilant is kind of like that. Be vigilant. Always be looking. Always be on your guard. Hey, be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, Peter tells us, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he says in there, in just the first of verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. Why did Peter tell Christians to be sober-minded and watchful in the great spiritual battle against the devil? Because your mind is a huge battlefield. You see, it's a big battlefield. Your mind, your thoughts, your what you think, the things you let in your mind, your mind, imagine, is just like this big battlefield. And Satan's on one side and you're on the other. And if you've got God, you've got God there with you. And the, the thoughts that you allow in or the whispers that you let in or the things that you think, those are like little, like, the Bible calls a, the Bible says that the devil shoots fiery arrows at us. So he's kind of shooting fiery arrows in our mind at us. And where are we at? Are we battling him? You know, be, are we, uh, what, did, what did Peter say again? He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Have we got our weapons up or are we not, are we not, do we not have our focus right? And are we letting him hit us all the time? And are we letting him attack us all the time? Where are we keeping the focus of our minds? You see, Paul closes his letter to the Philippian church, uh, Philippians 4.8. I think he closes in this reason. Listen to what he says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Pretty sure that's why Paul wrote that to that church. Hey, think, set your mind on godliness. What did he say right here to Timothy? Set your mind on the salvation of Jesus Christ. Focus your mind on whatever's good and holy. Don't focus your mind on all the things of the world. Don't focus your mind on the thoughts, the random thoughts that come into your head. Don't focus your mind on that lady that you just saw walking down the street. Don't focus your mind on that thing that you think that you need. Focus on your salvation in Jesus Christ. Focus on whatever's holy and good and noble, beautiful, you know, the, 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 the trees and, you know, whatever you can find virtue in, not on holiness, whatever you can find virtue in, focus your mind on those things. Why is that important? Well, Proverb 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks or as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. If we set our minds not on the things of God, 
not on the salvation that's in Christ, not on godly things, but on holy things, guess what? We're going to meditate. We're going to go toward those things. Whatever things are in our minds that we're allowing ourselves to think about, that's kind of the way we're going to head. We'll talk about that a little later. So Paul here gives this command to Timothy to stand strong in his mindset or keep his mind's focus on what? The salvation and it's in Jesus Christ as a way of helping him continue in the faith and not fall away from Christ like all the Christians did in Asia. And I'll say again, because we have the devil as our adversary, keeping our minds focused on the salvation in Christ and anything godly is a must for the great spiritual war that we're in. Staying strong in Christ and not falling away from the faith. It is so easy to not have faith. It is so easy to be faithless. It's so easy to worry. It's so easy to think about ungodly things. Those things just want to flood your mind all the time. It's almost like you have to, in your mind, you have to, you know, imagine you have this little wall that you need to like, and raise up to block all the flood of the worry and the, the, the unholiness that wants to just continue to flow in. And our gate that we need to shut is the gate of, I'm saved in Christ. Hey, godly things, that beautiful tree that I saw, oh, my wife's beautiful orchid, or oh my gosh, keeping those things up in your mind. Instead, let that flood of that ungodliness and that unholiness just flood our minds. But you see, that's not the only thing that Paul wanted Timothy to focus on here in our scripture because he kind of goes on some random things here now, but they all have one thing in play. They're all Paul wanting Timothy to focus or practice or do something else, right? Because remember, God doesn't want us to just believe in him. God just doesn't want us to just just have faith in him. Faith without works is dead. God wants us to serve him too, right? So look at what Paul says that Timothy should focus on doing next. Look at verse 2. Paul writes here and he says, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hey, also Timothy... Focus on getting Christians who can you can share the things that I taught with you about Christ and the Bible and God. My teachings as a whole. Timothy, remember the things that I've taught you. Remember the things that I've written to you. Find other Christians. Get a hold of them and start teaching them. And guess what? Teach them to go out and do the same thing. What is this called? What is uh, Paul wanting Timothy to do? Well, this is called... Disciple making. Focus on disciple making. Paul wanted Timothy to make disciples. You see, God doesn't want you to keep the things that he has taught you to yourself. The things that you've learned in God, the things that you've learned about the Bible, the things that you've learned about Christ since you've come to be saved, God doesn't want those things to live in you and die in you. What benefit would they be then except for just to you? But he wants you to go out and he wants you to find somebody else, as Paul said to Timothy here, or find others that, you know, of what God's taught you and teach them and then teach them to go out and tell others. It's called a disciple cycle. Disciple cycle, right? Think about this as you're thinking about, well, that's kind of hard. I don't know. I'm not really a disciple maker. Well, think about this. What if the original disciples... You know, Peter, James, John, all the original disciples, right? Excluding Judas, of course, because he wasn't a real disciple all the the way anyway. What if the original disciples would have kept what they knew about Jesus Christ to themselves? 
What if they never would have evangelized? And what if they never would have discipled anybody else? Think about it. So they, Jesus came. I mean, you know, there were a few thousand believers after he left. The Bible says not just the 11. There were a few thousand believers. Imagine if all of them would have only went to their own houses and just read what, you know, had written down little notes that Jesus gave them and then kept whatever they learned to themselves. In fact, you know, they made sure just with one another, but then as they got older and they didn't go out and find new people to share it with or they didn't find other people that, you know, that believed in Jesus and started teaching them, what would you think would have happened to the faith of Jesus Christ. What do you think would have happened to the truths of Jesus Christ or Christianity or Christianity? Well, of course, if they wouldn't have continued to spread them to others, that knowledge of Christ, his salvation, what he did for the world, what of what? It would have been lost. It would have died. Had it never been passed on, it would have been lost. It would have died. Uh, you see, and if the truths of Jesus Christ would have died, what do you think would you or I, would we know about Jesus Christ today? Or would you or I, would we have had the chance to ever come to know about him and then be born again or saved? See, if they didn't pass on what they knew and disciple others and disciple their replacements, you'd say, because you know, nobody can live forever, right? I mean, we're all dying. We're living to death. It's a phrase that I've come to like lately. We're living to death. We're only living until we die. And we're only going to be here so long. So if, if they never would have done that, then you and me wouldn't have ever had the chance to know what we know today. We wouldn't have our Bibles if, if those guys didn't write it down and continue to write it down and pass it on to others. And then they would have written it down and then passed it on to others if they didn't disciple cycle right? Christian sharing your faith in Christ with others in evangelism and discipleship is a must, not an if, and, or but, okay? We must do this. If we do not continue on the faith, then that can even happen in our day and age. I know there are a lot of people in this world that say they believe in Jesus Christ, and they actually, there's a lot of people that teach a gospel of Jesus Christ, but it ain't the biblical doctrine of Jesus Christ. It ain't work out your faith with, it ain't work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's, oh, I just prayed this prayer and I'm a Christian and now I go out and do anything I want. That's death. That's death. That's not even salvation. There's a lot of that being taught and there's a lot of that false doctrine going in the world and there's a lot of people believing in that crap, but that's not what's going to lead people to the gates of heaven and then let them in where they can be with God forever. That's not teaching them anything about God, but a false picture about God. So sharing your faith, discipling others, evangelizing others, teaching others what God has taught you is a must, not an if and or but. And again, I can't stress the fact enough that although this was written you know, by Paul to Timothy, this was not just meant to stay with Timothy. This was meant to go on, as Paul just said here, hey, find others and teach them. This is what God has done with us. He's found us. And he's teaching us the word. And then so we can go out and teach others the word, right? So Christians, we need to be focusing on learning God's truths. We need to be focusing on learning his salvation, Jesus Christ, and what it means. And then we need to go teach others and get them to do the same. We're all involved. If we're Christians, we should all be involved in some type of disciple cycle, right? 
Now, is evangelizing and discipling others an easy thing to do? Well, look what Paul says about it in verse 3. You, therefore, Timothy, must endure hardship as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> wow. Does it sound easy? Did it sound easy? You, you must endure hardship as a soldier for Jesus Christ or for God. It doesn't sound easy at all. It sounds like it's hard, and it sounds like you got to be a soldier. What does it mean to be a soldier? Well, a soldier's not eating candy all day and watching TV. When I think of a soldier, he's got a weapon, and he's going to war, and he's fighting a battle, right? That's a soldier. And when I think of hardship, well, I, don't, I, sure, I surely don't think about drinking an iced tea out by the pool. I think about climbing a mountain that's solid ice, and I got, I got ice skates on, right? And I, I'm, I'm trying to claw up with my nails. That's what I think of when I think of hardship. So, no, it's not going to be easy to do, but I have another thing to say. Is anything for God uh, in his kingdom, doing anything for God's kingdom, is it easy? Well, no. Why mainly? Well, there's three main reasons, and they all spurn from one thing. Number one, the first hard reason, the first difficult reason, the first hardship we have to get through and get over in order to do what God's telling us to do here is you must get your, fo- <laughs> your focus off yourself and put your focus, here we go, that word again, focus on building up others and teaching others. And that's the key to ha- the, what, the reason it's hard to serve God. Because why? We, by nature, are selfish. People, by nature, are just me. It's all about me. That's, that's our natural inclination. Worry about me. Serve me. Do what's right for me, right? And what does God call us to be in his word? God doesn't call us to be self or selfish, he calls us to be selfless. The number two reason why serving God is hard for his kingdom, and we have to be good soldiers, and we have to be diligent, and it's hard, is because others can be very disagreeable and be very stubborn too. And what is that? Well, that's the same thing. They're selfish too. People are selfish. And the number three reason why it's hard to serve God, and it's a hardship to serve God in first kingdom, is whenever you try to put two selfish, hard-headed people together, which is what? All people on the planet, because we're all hard-headed, we're all selfish, we're all me, 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 me. Heads collide and tempers raise and it becomes hard, right? Serving God wouldn't be hard if I could just be me and hey, just me and God. That wouldn't hardly be hard at all, except for I'm selfish and that God has to break me of my selfishness. But then when God says, no, you need to go out and do for others now. No, I want you to go out and and disciple others. And I want you to do a disciple cycle. And I want you to go out and I want you to share the word. Oh, Lord, that's hard. Why? Man, when I go to those people, they're not going to want to listen to me. Oh, because they're so selfish. Oh, they're all about me. No, they don't really want to hear about you. That's hard, right? So do these things. It's hard. Serving God is hard because people are selfish and people are all about me. We're not selfless. So that's why it's hard to serve God, and that's why we have to be good soldiers, as Paul says here to Timothy. So now overall so far, God says here through Paul that Christians need to keep focus on the grace or the salvation that they have in Jesus Christ and on serving him by getting our focus off of ourselves and onto others and making disciples of others and being like good soldiers for God's kingdom, right? That's what Paul has told us. Our last main point in the scripture I want to share with us today uh, is this. Where should a good Christian soldier's mind and efforts be focused? Where should our mind and our efforts be focused? Look at verse 4. 
No one engaged in warfare. Notice there that the focus is on the warfare. Entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. Our focus needs to be on the spiritual war for, for God, not the physical affairs or issues of earth, so that what? We can please him who enlisted us. But what is that? Who enlisted us is God who saved us, right? Keeping our focus off of the worldly things and keeping our focus on God and the war that is to be fought and the spiritual war that's to be fought. See, a a good and faithful soldier in an earthly army in time of war, because there's a peacetime soldier and there's a wartime soldier, and here the example that Paul gives us is one that's in, in, engaged in warfare, right? So a good and faithful soldier in an earthly army in time of war focuses on the war. And they put their efforts into fighting the war and to the winning of the war, right? Nobody, nobody's going to fight a war because they want to lose, right? I mean, I, nobody that's in the war wants to lose because they might even die or lose their freedom. There's a lot to stake, right? So nobody that fights a war doesn't care. I don't care if we win. They want to fight the war and they want to win the war. And what they don't do is, is while they're in war, they don't focus on or put their efforts toward becoming consumed with any non-war or any civilian issues, right? That's how we can think about that. Because a soldier for the world's army and a soldier for God's army is kind of the same thing. We make those parallels there. And so the same thing holds true for a good soldier of God's army. According to Paul here, a good soldier for God's army is supposed to keep their minds focused on the spiritual war that they're in and focus on their efforts towards the fighting and the winning of this spiritual war, right? And we're not supposed to get entangled in focusing on totally, you know, or focusing totally on putting our efforts towards the worldly affairs or issues of the earthly world. And Paul says that the reason we should want to live this way, being good soldiers for Christ, is because we want to please the one that saved us, right? That's God. Because why do we want to please the world? The world hates God. We talked about that last week. No matter what we do for God, we don't. We shouldn't care about what people think about us. Because if we're worried about what people think about us, then we're not worried about, well, how does God think I'm living, right? And that's who we're here to please now if we're saved. We're here, we're supposed to be pleasing to God, not pleasing to man. Now, Paul is not saying that Christians should not have any part of the affairs or issues of their communities or countries at all, right? I mean, he didn't say, uh, Christians, uh, go out and find some uninhabited island in the middle of somewhere, nowhere, and, you know, go to the go to the middle of Russia, Siberia, where there's nobody at, because, you know, you're not supposed to have anything to do with anything in this world, and go there and, and pray and, and have church with just a few people that you bring with you, and that's it, because, you know, you're not supposed to be entangled or have anything to do with the world that's around you. He did not say that, right? Because that's not what we read about the disciples. That's not what we read about them doing, right? I mean, after they got saved, what did they do? They went into the world to do God's work. Paul was a tent maker, so he had a job. And so they were involved in the world, right? But they were not of the world. And that's what Paul is getting at here. Anyone in, anyone engaged in warfare, which we all are, because we're all Christian soldiers at one level or another, 
We shouldn't be getting entangled with the world. He's saying that good Christian shoulders should not be entangled in, or other wo- in other words, woven into or consumed with or focused totally on putting all our efforts toward the affairs or the issues of the world, of the earthly world. In an idea, you can get it like this. We should be in the world, not of the world. We, we live here on this planet. We're supposed, our focus is supposed to be on God, pleasing Him, doing what He wants us to do, and then our world is kind of like, you know, our kind of like our mission field. We're supposed to be in it, but we're not supposed to be just so wrapped up in it that it's got us and we, oh, I need to do that or I need to do that. The only thing that you need to do is be a good soldier. Focus on being a good soldier for Jesus Christ and being a good soldier for God and worry The only worry you should have is to please God. God, is my life pleasing to you? Am I being a good soldier for you, God? Or, you know, am I getting entangled in this world? Am I getting wrapped up in all the different things of this world? Is Is my focus on my life saving the trees? Oh, is my focus in life, oh, I need that car, and that's all I gotta do is to get that car. Well, then you're entangled in the world. The only thing that you have to do and you should be engaged in doing and entangled in doing is being a good soldier for God and worried about if you're pleasing Him or not. So, with all that I said today, Christians, I must ask you today because I believe that I should put you on the spot and make you think that this is personal because it is personal. I take it personal You should take what God says to you if you're a Christian personally. Because he's talking to you personally, Christians. And I must ask, what is your mind focused on daily? And where are you focusing your efforts daily? God's kingdom? The things of God? Or the affairs and the worries and the cares of this life? So, Think about this. Are your minds and efforts focused on salvation in Jesus Christ? Ooh, that's a tough one. Remember I said earlier, I found myself earlier in this week finding, oh my gosh, I'm I'm not there. Well, I get we all got work to do. Our minds and efforts focused on our salvation in Christ. Man, God saved me. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to stay focused on that. Because that's what Paul said, right? He opens up that you therefore, my son, be strong. Have a mind focused strong on the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. Is your mind set and focused on serving God? Is your mind set and focused on following Jesus Christ? Evangelism, discipleship, praying for this world, praying for others. You know, serving your family in Christ. Is your mind focused and are you inwoven in the things of God? Is your focus on the things of God and doing what He says? Or are your minds and efforts focused on your problems and the worry of them? Uh, are your minds and focus, uh, are your minds focused on the issues of this life? The worldly issues of those around you, the world's problems, my problems. Oh, I don't have enough money. Oh, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? Oh, oh. is that's what's con- if that's what's consuming your mind, 
then you're not doing what God says here to put your focus on the things of his kingdom. And in my life, and you guys, I hope this strikes a chord in you, I've noticed one major truth with myself. And I've also noticed one major truth with others, too. There's there's this big truth that's true for everybody I've met, and, and here's that truth. Whatever a person is focused on, in that direction, they will go. Think about that again. Whatever a person is focused on, that's the direction that they're going to go. Because guess what? To have a focus, you have to be looking at something. You have to be looking or thinking that way. And just think if you're walking down the street and you're focused on that gas station or whatever that you got to get to for a coke you're focused on that gas station that's where you're headed and then if something grabs your focus and you turn your side oh look at that oh i need that thing over there oh look at that nice car oh if you keep walking you're gonna fall because if you're not focused on where you're going and looking toward where you're going you're not gonna make it but if you turn and look at something and you stop then you, oh, and you start meditating, oh, I need that certain thing, then guess what? In a little bit, your focus is going to be on, what do I have to do to get that thing? So wherever a person is focused or whatever a person's focused on, that is the direction that they will go towards. Look at what the Bible says about what I've noticed. Galatians 6, 8. Look what Paul says here about focusing and living for. He says, for he who sows to the flesh... What is he talking about there? Sowing to the flesh is focusing on or living for things that please your flesh. Those who sow, or, or for he who sows to his flesh, he who focuses on or lives for his flesh, look which way he's going to go. Will of the flesh reap corruption. So he's serving his flesh, focusing on his flesh, he's going to go Toward his flesh, if he's sowing toward it, he's going to reap from it. Notice he had to go there, he's sowing toward it, he's doing that, he's going to reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, or he who focuses on or lives for or lives toward the Spirit, so he's doing stuff that focus on the Spirit, what God's leading him to do, God's kingdom. Well, listen, will of the Spirit reap eternal life? So really... Whatever you're focusing on is where you're going to go. So, what are you focused on today? Listen to the definition of focus by Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. Look at this. A subject that is being discussed or studied. See their focus is on, boom, you're putting your mind on it. You're studying on it. You're thinking about it. The subject on which people's attention is focused. Think about that. Your focus is what you would draw your, you put what you put your attention on. And the second main definition is a main purpose or interest. That's what the word focus means. If we're focusing on something, that means we're mainly purposing our interest or we're interested in that thing. So where is your focus today, Christian? Can you say today that your main purpose or that your main interest, not your only, 
Because again, we're in this world and we have houses to take care of and we have families to raise and we have responsibilities in this world that we have to keep. So I didn't, I'm not saying you're only here. Guys, where is your main purpose? Where is your main interest? Is it set upon thinking about, focusing on your salvation in Jesus Christ? Is it focused on serving God? Following Jesus, evangelizing others, discipling others, intercessory prayer for others, you know, serving your family in Christ. Is that where your focus is? Or is your focus or your main purpose or your interest set on your own problems, the issues of your life, worrying about them, the worldly issues of those around you, etc., 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 etc. We can worry about things all day long. Where is your main purpose or interest set? Where is your mind set to? It is a true statement. Whatever your mind is focused on or whatever your mind is mainly purposed on is where you will find yourself headed. Or as the Bible says, whatever you sow towards the spirit or the flesh of the world, that's where you will reap. And it's where you will head. Christians, Remember, please, you and me and every Christian in the world, we're involved in a spiritual war. And we need to focus on this war and putting our efforts into fighting and winning, into the fighting and the winning of this war and get our focus off of ourselves and us, 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 and I, me, and my. I, me, and my is not God in his kingdom. And what can I do for him? It's I, me, and my. What's at stake, ladies and gentlemen? If we don't put our focus on God and His kingdom and serving Him and doing those things that God told us to do, our, what's at stake is our eternal destiny. Our eternal destiny. If we're not focusing on the salvation that's in Jesus Christ, if we're not putting our efforts into fighting God's kingdom, are we really, really, really living for God at all? So what's at stake is our own eternal destiny first and foremost. We have to guard ourselves. What did we talk about at the beginning of our sermon, right? Work out your own faith with fear and trembling. Look towards repentance from dead works. Focus on that. And faith in God, right? Salvation, faith in God. Is that where our focus is? Uh, that's at stake. Uh, another thing that's at stake, our family members. Those whom we love, if we're not discipling them, if we're not raising them up, if we're not loving them and serving them in Christ, you know, or what about the world of those that are, the people of those that are around us, right? What about their eternal destiny? If we're not focused on the war, then we're just letting everybody else around us go to hell. And that's, do we don't, do we love them? Do we love people? Do we love God? Are we concerned with discipling others, raising others up in the truth, the real truth of the Bible? Or are we focused on living for ourselves or living for our own or you know our own problems? Where is our focus? Because eternal eternity depends on it. Whether or not we fight or we win or we lose this war that we're in for God matters more than just a few freedoms of our country or, or whether we may lose a car or lose a job or whatever. This war is a losing of eternal life. 
or eternal destruction for others. We need to be focused on the war if we love God and we love Him and we want to please Him and we want to serve Him. We need to focus on the war and not on our own selves and us, us, us. Christians, wake up and serve God and get your focus and attention on Him. That's my word. That's my word. Now, maybe you're listening to the sermon and you're not a Christian at all. Well, he's a bad pastor and I'm not really saved. I'm not really born again. I'm not saved at all. Well, there's a real Satan. We talked about him today. And he wants you to bring you to a real hell where the Bible says that you'll be for the rest of your eternity in fire and torment and brimstone with weeping and gnashing of teeth where the fire is never quenched and because you won't be reconciled, you know, unto God, okay? Jesus Christ died a terrible, torturous, murderous death on a cross to offer himself as a payment for your sins and offer all mankind eternal life. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that you get saved. God's purpose is that you come to know him, not that you want, not that you go to hell. And he paid the greatest price to do that, right? Bible says that all those who don't have his sacrifice to cover their sins will end up in hell where Satan and the fallen angels will be forever. But again, God doesn't want that for you. So how do you take his sacrifice for your sins? Well, number one, he says in Matthew 10, 9, this is where it starts. He who finds his life will lose it. You who want to live for yourself and be self-serving will not inherit the kingdom of God because you are only focused on living for yourself. You are in control of your life. That's you if you're not saved today, if you're not born again. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who surrenders their lives, loses their lives. It's a, it's a spiritual picture of what it means to bow down before Christ and give him your life. Surrender your life to him. Make him the Lord of your life. Make him your boss. Give all your rights away to him. Surrender to him. Become his. And no longer live for you, but then believe in him and trust in him and start to serve him and look at his word and say, God, your way is better. My way is wrong. Forgive me for my sins. I need you. And that's what it means to lose your life, right? In order to gain eternal life. Now, I know it seems like a lot to surrender your whole life to Jesus Christ. And if you really don't know who he is, that's hard. Just like it would be hard for a man and a woman that didn't know one another just to walk up to one another and say, hey, hon, let's go get married. Well, I don't know you. I don't know you either. I don't know. I wouldn't want to get married. I don't, I don't know. You get to get to know them first, right? You got to get to know them, right? So how do you come to know him, right? Because it seems like a lot. How do you come to know him? Well, you start to seek him. You seek Jesus Christ and his word. You seek him through prayer. You seek him, say, Jesus, I want to know you. Lord, you seek him in his word to find out if he's worthy, right? You don't want to just surrender your life to just anybody. I, I wouldn't want to. If, I, if somebody said, well, go out there and surrender your life to, you know, Joe the bum down the street. Well, I don't want to. I know who he's like. Well, you don't want to just surrender your life to anybody, right? So you want to find out and get to know who Jesus is first, right? So you need to seek him. 
And you need to see if he's worthy for you to surrender your whole life to totally. And ask him to reveal himself to you and seek him in his word. Jesus, I want to know you. Will you reveal yourself to me, Lord? I want, I want to get to know you. I know that, I want to, I know that I'd love to go to heaven, but I, I just don't know about you. So seek him. Seek him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. He says in his word that if you will seek him, you'll find him. And if you, if you ask, then you shall receive. Hey, Lord, I want to get to know you. Then he's going to take steps to make that happen. Lord Jesus, I, I want to get to know you. Would you reveal yourself to me? And then you take steps on that. He's going to be a man of his word, and he's going to do that for you. Now, today, will you either surrender your life to Christ, or will you at least start to seek him today to see if he's worthy of you to surrender your life to. But whatever you do, if you're not saved and you've gone this far in this message, I want you to do one thing for me. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Don't just hear these words and then go off and then just do nothing. Do something. Seek or surrender or do something. Because one day you will die. And if you're not God's, and Christ is not your Lord and your Savior, and you're not His, and you're not born again, you're going to go to hell, where God doesn't want you to go. That's if you do nothing. If you react and respond, God will see it, and God will come, and He'll lead you in the right path, and He'll get you saved because He is the Savior. So please, do something and respond. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your message today, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for just, where's your focus? Lord, I, I just pray that all those that listen to this message, wherever, all over the world, Lord God, they look at where their focus is today. Where is their focus today, Lord Jesus? That's what I pray that they would examine. Are they really focused on the war and on pleasing you and on serving you and being about your business and on their salvation in you? And, 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 and are they really focused on faith and godliness and holiness, Lord? Or are they focused on the world and they're entangled in the world and their focus is not on you? And I pray, dear God, wherever they may be, that you would get them focused on you and get rid of all the nonsense that they don't need that's not part of the war, that they're focusing on all that crap that's going to drag them down. And I pray they'd focus on you. For Lord, you are worthy to focus on. Your salvation is worthy to focus on. Your word, your holiness, your goodness, your promises, those are worthy to focus on. Others that we love and others in the world not going to hell, that's something that we need to focus on. But whether we have this or that or whatever, or I, I got to go to this and I got to do that, I got to be busy about that, Lord, those things are just should be just a little part. Just the part that we should be just having to do because we do, but all we should be in focusing, in, focusing on is, is you mainly in all that and how we can you know incorporate you and your things into doing our everyday things in our lives. I pray, dear God, for those that aren't saved that are listening to this message. And I just pray, dear God, that you would draw them to you and that you would draw them to seek you and that they would just and they would respond and do nothing or not do nothing, Lord. Pray that they would respond and not do nothing. Draw them to you, Lord. Draw them to surrender. Reveal yourself to them and get them saved. And I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.